Dang it. Okay. Hi, and welcome to episode 18 of Cutting It Close with Cliff Bailey. It is raining outside. Raining hard. We just had um, Hurricane Lane roar up, kind of tear a big island. That, that really sucks. But um, it got to uh, Oahu, Maui, and then just kind of fizzled out. So um, I don't know if this is a remnants of Lane or what, but it is raining cats and dogs, and I'm not going to go outside because I'm afraid I'll step in a poodle, quite frankly. And uh, I'm not having that at this hour. Um, this is episode 18 of Cutting It Close with Cliff Bailey. I am your host, Cliff Bailey. I'm really excited because we've made it to 18 episodes. And <clears throat> I've got a couple guests still lined up for future episodes. And uh, I hope to get more. And otherwise, uh, there's no signs of stopping. We're just going to keep popping. And uh, yeah, okay. I was, yeah. Um, yeah, today on the show, we've got Faye Bailey. No known relation. Uh, she is from Venezuela. I met her last about a year ago. Yeah, last year for um, fall semester in uh, editing class. And uh, that is another... Well, our instructor there, um, Gerard Elmore, he's also a filmmaker in the community. And I hope to get him on here in a few weeks after uh, things die down for him. But Faye, she's fantastic. I helped her out with a couple projects and then, um, yeah, we, we just became friends and she did me a real big solid and AD assist, assisted directed, assisted directored. She was my assistant director for the Return to Life shoot in March and she was amazing. And um, yeah, I just have really grown to appreciate her and like her as as a filmmaker and as a person. She's just so great and had some really great stuff to share with me on the podcast. And today she will share that with you or uh, we will share that with you as you uh, tune in and listen to our conversation. I also have other news. We finally got our first patron on Patreon. A uh, friend of mine, Star Lavin. Star, thank you so much. She's big in the cosplay community, steampunk cosplay community here on the island. She's also, um, uh, I don't know exactly her position, but she works in the lab, a forensic lab on Hickam Air Force Base. That's where we originally met uh, as co-workers. She was working in operations. That was when I was in the Navy, and she's uh, working as a civilian, uh, retired Army but uh, I think retired army. Oh dear. But anyway, Star, thank you so much, Darden. And so you are getting to listen to this first, Star, because it is um, as as a five dollar patron, you get access, early access to the show. And I think I'll have to look at the levels again, um, the tiers. But yeah, I think that's it. Just early access, and then I think more than that. Or maybe you are supposed to get the behind-the-scenes content. But I don't really know what to do for behind-the-scenes content. Oh, no. Anyway, um, I'll, I'll be working on that and make sure that um, everything is, is given as stated. You know, try to be a man of my word, man of honor. Um, yeah, so if you are interested, if you dig what we do, I'm not talking to just you now, Star, uh, everyone else in the audience. Um, 
yeah, if you dig what we do here on the podcast and would like to uh, help continue the production of it, please consider donating at our Patreon. That's patreon.com slash Media. Cutting a Close is a production of Phazon Media, LLC. Um, that is my production company. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, that'd be groovy. That'd be great. And uh, with um, two dollars, oh, wait, I can just pull it up right here. I'm trying not to waste time in the intro. But um, let's see. Here we are. Yes. Aha. Two dollars or more per month is early access to the podcast episodes uh, at least a day early. I try to get them out. I'm going to try to get them out Monday instead of Tuesday. Um, podcasts usually go up Wednesday. And five dollars or more is behind the pod um, as well as early access. Again, I need to work out exactly what the behind the pod will look like. I did shoot some stuff for um, the for the last episode of Chrissy, but I haven't really done anything yet because I'm also um, backed up on other projects. I just wrapped a PSA, which will be coming out soon uh, for Shriners Hospital. Um, had a very special person in that, and uh, it's not going to be on TV or anything. It'll just be online. But once it is, then I will um, link it, and uh, y'all can take a look at that. Um, yeah, that, and then also a promo for the annual Halloween event down at the Hawaiian Railway Society. Uh, the guy who runs it, Steve Vent, has been very generous in letting us use his location for Return to Life um, for free, pretty much, in exchange for doing this promotion, doing a couple other things for him uh, with aerial photography and videography. So uh, doing that, and then I'll be uh, hunkering down and finishing up post-production on Return to Life really excited about that um and i could keep rambling because it is my show but i'm still trying to earn goodwill with each and every one of you to the point that maybe i'll plunk down two bucks or so two dollars it's a newspaper subscription in 1985 but you know it's the era of nostalgia so yeah all right that's that's pretty much it um yeah I'm, i'm digging it having a ball here and I'm um, glad no one, I don't think anyone got seriously hurt during the hurricane, at least not on Oahu. Um, for what it's worth, good vibes, prayers, and positive thoughts towards our brothers and sisters on the big island. Uh, they, not, I don't know the extent of it, but I, I do know some people were evacuated. I mean, in addition to having uh, the southeastern area wiped out by a volcano, um, yeah, they had it kind of rough over there, and Big Island is one of my favorite places to be, but, yeah, so, um, pray for them, and if there's any fundraisers or anything, then uh, maybe consider donating to that instead, and then if you still have two bucks left over, donate to us! Oh, boy, I'm shameless. I'm shameful, I don't know. Alright, that's it. Thank you for listening to Cutting It Close, and please enjoy this conversation with Faye Bailey. Again, no known relation, but definitely, definitely a sister from another mister. Okay, I think we're good to go. Okay. Maybe let's bring that a little closer. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so try to keep it very informal, just, but just, I don't know, but now it's very kind of formal because we had to set it up, but, um, yeah, how's it going, Faye? It's going wonderful. Okay. 
Uh, we were talking about summers you traveled. Yes, I went to Florida and then I went to San Diego. Do you have family in Florida? I went to visit family, um, especially I went to meet my latest baby niece. Oh, yes. that's great. Um, so let's see. So yeah, this is feeling very, I, I feel very, very still to try to make it just conversational. Um, yeah, but let's see. So you're from Venezuela. That's correct, Caracas, Venezuela. How did you end up in, or how long were you in, how long were you there and how did you end up in Hawaii? I, well, before getting to Hawaii, we jump and stay a little bit in San Francisco and the Bay Area. Oh, okay. And, you know, I was young and wanted to explore other territories. And uh, my husband won the green card lottery. Ah. So if you have never heard of a winner, then you know the wife of somebody that won the green card lottery. And then we stay in San Francisco for a few years as well as Berkeley. Mm -hmm. And thanks to a job opportunity, we end up here okay. on the island. All right. What, what is the green card lottery? I've never heard of that. You know the lotto? I know the regular lottery, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So it's kind of like that but mm -hmm. for a green card okay. so it runs in almost every country in mm -hmm. the globe there are a few exceptions mm -hmm. and people apply and sign up and you fill out a bunch of paperwork and each country has certain amount of selected mm -hmm. so you are pre-selected mm -hmm. and then you get paperwork from immigration mm -hmm. and then you know if you follow through the process then you may end up with a green card so mm -hmm. when we landed in San Francisco we had a green card which allowed us to work right away and it's pretty amazing for most immigrants don't get that okay is he from Venezuela also yes oh I did not know that yeah is that what so that's where y'all met yes okay. correct cool. we met on a film set actually no kidding Okay, yeah. How did you, how long have you been in film then? I have been working in the film industry for a long time. Okay. Back home in Venezuela, I worked there for at least eight years. Wow. And I was an um, assistant director. Oh, cool. Yeah. Very cool. Um, so, let's see. So now you're here, you've got kids, you're in school. Why did you come back to school then for, for film stuff? Well, I did all my film education back home, and I have to say graduated number one in my promotion, of course. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, however, the credentials wouldn't transfer. Oh. Yeah, and it happens a lot with foreign students, mm -hmm. even though it happens, I mean, it happens a lot also within the United States, mm -hmm. that from school to school, there are certain credits that wouldn't go through. Sure. In my case, none of them went through, and I decided to do it all over again. Okay. Yeah. That's cool. How's it been? It has been wonderful. Yeah. Yes. Um, it has been great. You always learn mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And then one of the most valuable things is the people you get to meet. Oh, yes. Yeah. We, was editing class our first time meeting? I think so. Yeah? Right? I think so. I think I remember... The semester before that, for the directing class, you sat in the first couple classes, but you weren't directing able to, the actor. Directing the actor, yes. Uh -huh. um, but I guess you didn't weren't able to to get in at that point because of over enrollment or something. 
Yes. Okay. Okay. But then editing class, so we met, and yeah, that was that was fun. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, um, what happened next? And then we worked together in your project, Return to Life. That was the next thing. Yes. Wow, you were amazing. Oh, thank you. Especially coming in at the last minute. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Last minute, not knowing hardly anything. Um, yeah. Absolutely killed it. Well, I knew I was unable to be part mm-hmm. of the pre-production, mm-hmm. but I also knew that I was going to be able to ride the bull once I got into set. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, what What do you prefer to do? Like make your own stuff or do you, do you like helping out? I mean, I feel like everyone, in, well, not everyone. But, um, you know, there is enjoyment to be had in, in working on other projects. But at the same time, when you have your own vision for things, like um, you made the, uh, what was it called? A Sunday morning. Uh, it is a Sunday morning. Okay. I was going to say Sunday morning. But, um, yeah. So what inspired that? And what kind of stories do you like to tell? Oh, those are great questions. That is a personal story. Mm-hmm. So it's a product of a class. Mm-hmm. And we were encouraged to tell a personal story. Mm. My husband, Daniel, has been introduced our son, Zen, mm-hmm. to Ashtanga yoga since he was five years old. Cool. And today, currently, we go through kind of like the same process that I show in the film, mm-hmm. which is, is Sunday, and we're going to yoga, and we get a lot of rejection mm. and negativity and then once Zen steps into the yoga room like it's a switch that he turns on himself mm-hmm. and then his attitude and his uh, presence totally changes and and then the result of that is just the sweetest kid mm. you know he will end up blowing kisses to Daniel or at the very last pose where is the re- which is the resting pose called Shavasana then they hold hands mm-hmm. so the story of Sunday morning is inspired by our own personal story and then I just wanted to touch on a little bit on, on parenthood you mm-hmm. know um, our kids do challenge us yes. and we do want to teach them stuff and mm-hmm. we you know, and they may reject it, and then um, they realize there is value mm-hmm. in those teachings. Mm-hmm. So, awesome. So that <clears throat> excuse me, rejection and negativity was coming from Zen. Like he did not want to go. Yeah, I'm tired. <laughs> I want to sleep, and na na na. You know, mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. Just like um, the girl Bea in mm-hmm. the in the short films just questions the dad, yeah. like why do I have to do this with you all the time? And you know, I'm tired, and I don't want to. Yeah. That kind of thing. And then, you know, the dad is. The dad has an agenda, mm-hmm. and then the dad is forced by external circumstances to let go mm-hmm. and to surrender and to allow Bea to play mm-hmm. something that was absolutely not planned because he his mission was, you know, to go and practice yoga with her daughter, mm-hmm. with his daughter. Um, so he surrenders, he lets go, mm-hmm. and then she has a moment to have fun and run and mm-hmm. laugh and 
And then, mm -hmm. as a consequence, then she surrenders as well. And then they both get to practice together and and end up being connected. And she thanks the dad. Uh, yeah. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um, I was looking forward to seeing it. Because I'm like, I feel like most everyone in ACM is able to support each other and watch each other's films and whatnot. And I've hardly done any of that. Um, so I've always felt kind of guilty about asking for help on projects and such. So when people just volunteer, it's great. Um, and I think that's because I got in backwards, sort of. Like I applied when I was about to separate from the military and then ended up, I, I didn't take 310 until my second to last semester of doing ACM. That's supposed to be one of the first classes you take. So I missed out on the whole community thing and kind of sucks. Mm. Um, how long have you been in the program? Is this your third year? I think so. Okay. Yes. So we started about the same time then? Yeah. Or the exact same time? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Cool. Very cool. Um, what are you working on now? Or what other stories do you like to tell, like generally? I love short format. Oh, okay. Yes. I really like short and sweet. Mm -hmm. So, and it could be commercial and non-commercial, but I, mm. I prefer short formats for now. That's right now what I, you know, what I prefer. And, well, I do work in the industry mm -hmm. actively. And, yes, I'm attending school, but also I have, I mix that simultaneously with working in the industry in mm. Hawaii. Mm -hmm. um, how did you, how do you get into the industry? Because I know that's something that a lot of people are, are curious about. That's a great question. <laughs> and it has not been an easy road, but I I did research. I opened mm. up internet. I was looking for the best production companies and mm -hmm. the best advertising agencies. And I start call calling people and oh. saying hi. Mm -hmm. um, I'm Febeli and I'm a Venezuelan filmmaker and I would love to meet you. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people in Hawaii are very polite. Mm -hmm. um, most of them were open to get an appointment mm -hmm. with me. So we sat and we had a meeting. And, and that's really how, um, you know, the film industry is a tight industry wherever you go. And yeah. honestly, your curriculum doesn't mean absolutely anything. Mm -hmm. You show who you are while you're working on set, right. or, you know, in your case, you're an editor, then mm -hmm. after the set, it's, it's through work. Mm -hmm. So I've never been a production assistant back home. Mm -hmm. I left Venezuela being one of the three top ADs in the country. Wow. And then here I needed to start doing free gigs and mm -hmm volunteer and you know my first paid job was um, as a production assistant as a PA mm -hmm. so that's how I started okay. doing crafty service and taking care of people hydration and snacks and mm -hmm. meals mm -hmm. and it was a great opportunity because it's all about food mm -hmm. so I made sure that I took really good care of my crew and I provided great um, great stuff for them mm -hmm. healthy and you know high in protein and fiber and things like that mm -hmm. and 
I couldn't help it if I saw something in the frame that, let's say, an orange cone. It's like, oh, do you guys want to have that orange cone back there? You know, and then little by little, I just start um, stepping in. Mm. And my favorite part is, you know, one year I started officially in the call sheet as a production assistant. But that year I closed officially as an assistant director for a bank commercial, local wow. bank commercial. That's awesome. That's super cool. Um, did you find it challenging to go from being one of the top in a country to basically the bottom of the pecking order uh, in a state? It was challenging and it was humbling. Mm-hmm. So it gave me an opportunity to to be humble. Mm-hmm. And do I really want to do this? Right. Do I really mm-hmm. want to break into the industry? Mm-hmm. Well, this is how... Yeah. It works here, and I'm gonna make it happen. Mm-hmm. So, so it has been a blessing, though, mm. and yeah, it has been great. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I feel like that's something a lot of people struggle with. Um, something I struggled with over the years is getting like starting off somewhere at the bottom, working your way up to a certain point, and then starting over again. Me, it was just kind of restless feet for most of my adult life, going from job to job, um, and then being like. Uh, 31 joining the Navy and like 18, 19, 20 year olds were in charge of me. That was like um, in in some aspects. And now, once again, transitioning from that to this industry and having to do the same thing. But um, that's that's one thing I've been learning over the few last few months, this past year, I guess, is the the attitude is is attitude and um, believing in yourself. Like, like you said, do I really want to do this? What's it going to take to do this? Um, and, I, and, and then it can like teeter between self-doubt and pride, I feel like. Like, what's it going to take? Um, okay, it's going to take this. You can either be like, I'm above that. I'll prove myself some other way. Or it's like, oh, I don't think I can do that. You know, that kind of thing. But if you believe in yourself, if you got the drive, then... <laughs> yes, and I couldn't agree with you more about attitude. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's number one mm-hmm. skill that um, a filmmaker should have. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, there is no great production without great PAs. Yes. Like everybody mm-hmm. in filmmaking has a very specific role mm-hmm. and being good at what you do mm-hmm. allows mm-hmm. a successful, harmonious production. Mm-hmm. So at the end, everything starts at the bottom. Yeah. You know, and to me, it was an opportunity and it was challenging. You mm-hmm. know, I was told things like, oh, you're a woman and you're a foreigner, Ooh. which is very true. Mm-hmm. And like those are your, you have right there two big problems. and. Mm-hmm. To me, it's like, well, really, are they problems? I see this on my weapons. You yeah. know, I am different and mm-hmm. I sound different and I bring other stuff to the table, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so you, it doesn't matter really where you start. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, you have great directors. Yes, you have great producers. But the truth is that everybody is a master in what they do when it comes to working on a film set. Mm -hmm. And if you have, I mean, people will fight over great PAs Mm -hmm. because not everyone can be a great PA. Right. 
you know. So, so it just gives the opportunity to to grow and to be humble and mm. to prove yourself, and then and then you just see it blooming on its own. Absolutely. Yeah. Because when you're on a production, whether even if it's short or long, you're in it for much longer than the actual final product is, and you want to be able to work with those people and not dread going to work with those people. Exactly. Every morning you wake up and like, hmm, okay, today's going to be a good day. Or like, hmm, this person's in charge of this. Oh, no. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and my, my, my very limited experience um, of my Crossword Station short and then Return to Life, just the, the PAs were magical beings. They were like angels on earth. Um, I never experienced anything like that before. And just seeing what just... From, from my own personal vantage point and then being able to step back and see all that they were doing, it's like, they were doing a lot. They were hustling. They were looking out for everyone. And that was that was beautiful. And I, yeah, you asked me outside if I would mind like doing that kind of stuff. Not at all. I feel, I've, I have done stuff, I've been in support positions most of my life. And so when, when I was suddenly like the one in charge on set, that was very weird. That was very strange. Especially the very first time with just just the one day shoot for for Crossroads Station, um, everyone was like waiting for me to make a decision. Not like impatiently. I was like, "What's everyone waiting for?" Oh, we're just waiting, waiting for your voice. We're just waiting for for you to so for for what for whatever you need, boss. I was like, "Oh my gosh, what?" <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So sometimes I think I prefer to be more low key and behind the scenes and stuff. And I know if I want to succeed as a director, I've got to be okay with it to, to a point. But yes. um, yeah, just being able to, to bring a, a, a cup of water to someone who needs it is in, in some ways more, more satisfying, I think, than uh, the directing part, which is kind of weird, I think. Or anti, uh, what's the word? Not antithetical. Uh, converse thinking? I don't know. I don't know. My own experience directing has been spectacular, and mm. I just can't wait to get more of that. That mm. will be my next step. Okay. Like now, nowadays, I produce a lot, and mm -hmm. then all all different cats hats on production. And I wish there were more cats on production. Though. <laughs> right? Yes, <laughs> I agree. And and then um, AD definitely. Mm. But having the space for being mm. creative yeah. and just to be able to communicate to your crew mm -hmm. what is it that you want and then to have them do their magic and yeah. see it coming to life right mm. in front of you while mm -hmm. I am watching the monitor, that was spectacular. And then I do have to give credit to my crew because I had my whole crew was high-end professional. Mm. I have been working in the industry for a long time, and then mm. I was um, able to, the first call was to the DP and ask if he was, that was Sean Hyatt, if he'd see if he was open to help me out. Once I got his yes, mm -hmm. then it was a domino effect, mm. and then I had the best people mm. working there, mm -hmm. and I just couldn't believe myself. Yeah. It was, it was amazing. So um, I hear what you're saying, but I really love the experience of yeah. of directing because usually I'm the one who runs the set. Mm -hmm. So I am the one who 
tells everybody what's happening, what's coming next, um, what's needed, mm-hmm. uh, or repeating either the DP or the director's voices, things mm-hmm. like that. But actually to have somebody else do it for me yeah. and give me the opportunity to step back and see it mm-hmm. coming to life, just mm-hmm. that was that was amazing. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, saying... Um, Tagging on to that, going back, I wasn't saying like I, I don't ever want to direct. Just like right now, I guess I'm still um, finding finding my voice, mm. you know, and and figuring figuring it all out. Um, I feel like I, I need to do what you've done because you've you've been grinding at it for the last uh, uh, few several many years. Eight years I have worked in the industry okay, in Hawaii. Here, yeah, yeah. yeah. So From got, nothing to right. where I am. Yes. Yeah. And I come on the scene, I'm like, hey, I got this big idea, blah, 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 blah. And <laughs> I'm I'm blessed. I'm I'm grateful for all the help I have gotten. And I feel like the the short one helps garner interest in the bigger one. But people otherwise people don't know me. I'm just some other a hole coming in with grand ideas and no evidence of follow through, you know, none that they can see. You know, I know what I've done in my life, but they need to see and that's the humbling part. That's, that's the humbling that's where part. it gets really difficult. Yes. And um you know from a, a military setting also like veterans coming out from their high ranking and high responsibility stuff, uh responsible for lives and they can't get a job uh they can only get a job like flipping burgers or welcoming people at Walmart, that kind of thing. And so that's that's very humbling uh, for them. I just use that as a as a for instance. Um, yeah. So I've, you, I've I've kind of been coming to terms with that mm, myself uh, yeah. the last couple of years, and and really realizing like stepping back and like why aren't people coming on board? It's like oh yeah, they don't know me. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. You were you were mentioning that you're still finding your voice and mm-hmm. that. Um, reminding me that you ask what kind of stories I want to tell Mm -hmm. and I thank you for that question so to me filmmaking is the most powerful medium Mm. that exists Mm. you are able to manipulate emotions and you're able to tell so much Mm -hmm. through audio and visuals Mm -hmm. so I personally, as a director, as an artist, I like to tell stories that make a difference, that yeah. show beauty, mm-hmm. that have depth, mm-hmm. that um, are not the mainstream mm-hmm. stories that you can find. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. <laughs> and this is this is like your career path. This is what your vocation, what you want to do the rest of your life. Yeah. Yes, mm-hmm. I I fell in love with filmmaking without even knowing what it was when I heard about it. Okay. You know, the first time I heard a friend of my brother saying, oh, I'm going to study film. Mm. And I'm like, ooh. <laughs> and I didn't know what it was and I didn't know what it entailed, but I can share that bells went off. Sure. And for some reason, I was like, I have to do that. So I did. I went to school. Mm-hmm. I um, finished and then right away I jump into two feature films. Wow. So that was my major school, sure. really. Um, I was interned in the art department mm. and we were sure staff, of course. Mm-hmm. So I had an opportunity to be on set mm-hmm. a lot and to just to work super tight with everybody else. Mm-hmm. And since then, it's just, that's what I wanted to do. And probably that's why I 
don't know, I had the will to mm-hmm. break through in the industry here mm-hmm. and and make it happen. Mm-hmm. Before that, were you into watching movies or TV or anything like that? Always enjoy watching movies. Uh, always yeah. enjoy watching films. It was the mm-hmm. biggest treat in my house when mm-hmm. we when we went out to the films yeah. to watch films. So, yeah. Do you remember the A? Do you remember the first movie you ever saw? And B? Do you remember the first movie that like really moved you? Oh my gosh! Or was that? I mean, it could be the same, or it could be different. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't remember the first movie I saw. Okay. Um, but I. I do remember the special um, going out dates mm. with my dad. Okay. Going to watch films together. Wow, that's and great. that was just so sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I did a similar thing with, with my dad. We'd go out and see movies every now and then. Yeah. 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 Um, let's see. Well, I was going to ask how you got into it, which kind of answered that already um uh let's see conversation oh crap what what is your favorite movie or top five favorite movies okay thank you yeah one is too hard yes um different genres amelie oh yeah Mm -hmm. absolutely love amelie well i love a french film Mm. european film a lot Mm -hmm. um dracula Oh. Coppola. Okay. Coppola mm-hmm. Absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. For a while, I was really hooked into the Dead Poet Society. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I have two more. But, hey, it's, you know, it always, it changes. But mm, those are I re- those are films that I remember. Mm-hmm. Um, I stuck with them for a while. Mm. Then two more. Let's see, more recent ones. I went blank. Well, recently there have been much fewer, at least on the big screen, or much less um, smaller dramas. Or just straight up dramas, you know, like Dead Poets Society uh, or like Amelie, um, I guess at least in the U.S. market, because now it's all blockbuster action stuff. Mm. Yeah. Well, if we talk about action, I would say I really like the plot of Black Panther, even oh, yeah? though it was super... It's an action-driven um, mm-hmm. film, but I, I I did like the the plot, and finally the um, the storytelling mm-hmm. is changing. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. giving more presence to people of color on the screen, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. and yes, <laughs> I really like that. Mm-hmm. And then, well, if I may, while you think about it, like Black Panther was the first Marvel film, if not one of the first modern action films where there was an interesting villain you know or a sympathetic villain yes killmonger yes like he had pathos he had motivation and uh, some of the stuff he a lot of the stuff he did if not everything was awful but we knew where it came from yes and there was a there was a cause for it kind of thing Mm -hmm. so you were yeah sympathetic the audience can be can empathize mm-hmm. with him. Yes, I agree, hundred yeah. percent. And the, like the director of that. Um, well, first the actors, uh, Michael B. Jordan, who plays Killmonger. That guy, I love that guy. Like you know, 
like, well, he would be one of my man crushes. <laughs> I'll just <laughs> freely admit that. Um, and and the director, Ryan Coogler, did you see Creed? I haven't oh, yet. Oh, it's so good. I mean, it's, it's a boxing movie. Um, well, I say that as if that's not your thing. I don't know if it's your thing or not, just based on what you what I know of you. Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Do you like, did you let's see the Rocky films or uh, any of those? I watch them, mm-hmm. not super my thing, but you yeah. know, those are classics, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. kind of like, have to watch them. Because Creed is, is the extension of that. It's, you know, Apollo Creed's son um, discovering his heritage and becoming a boxer in his own right. And like, in that film, it was great watching it with an audience. That's what I love about the theatrical experience or the cinema going experience is when you're with the right crowd or you're watching the right film, then just the energy in the room is electric and they're just towards the end of it towards the the climax um like people were just short of standing up and cheering but everyone was like yeah because it's such such an amazing film uh creed and frank i'll watch it and that's what i mean by how powerful this medium is Mm -hmm. we are able and responsible to Mm -hmm. to create emotions for people to we had them for an hour and a half, two hours, and yeah. then it's just incredible mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what we can do. You know, uh, going back to animation, mm. a, a different genre, Kubo. I love Kubo. Have you watched it? Uh, uh, the two string, the one oh, string. Mm-mm. Oh my gosh. Okay, you watch it and we'll talk about it. Okay. Um, I like, um, as far as me, uh, animation, uh, Hayao Miyazaki films, mm-hmm. Spirited of Away. Of course, of course. Ghost in the Shell. And yeah. All. Yes, amazing. Mm-hmm. Love him. Mm-hmm. He's a master. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, so, yeah, like, uh, what do you think about the, the modern states or the current state of, of films? Because you're talking about how we can uh, manipulate emotion and all that stuff, but it seems... My opinion is, uh, and I think it's the, the the popular opinion also, is that it's kind of going downhill. You know, like bland stories, predictable plots, very just, and, and cheap scares whenever there's, you know, like a, a horror film or something. What do you think? Uh, or does it even matter? Oh, it does matter. <laughs> well, I, I mean that to say, uh, Big um, time. in terms of, of, of your, your aspirations. Like, you could just be like, I don't care about the state of things. I'm doing my own thing. I believe in myself, etc. Well, I mean, Hollywood and their standards, you know, mm-hmm. is, it is commercial. It is predictable. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's a showcase. Mm-hmm. And that's not the type of film I would like to pursue. Mm-hmm. And I think we are in such an audiovisual era. Mm-hmm. Everybody on their phones mm-hmm. make, you know, 30 second, if not longer videos. Everybody mm-hmm. is posting things, everybody. So more and more audiovisuals are uh, present on a daily basis mm-hmm. in everybody's life mm-hmm. all around the globe. Yeah. Like I have, I have heard, for instance, there are atolls far away in Pacific Islands and mm-hmm. they don't have... Um, access to many things, but um, they do have Facebook ah. and they do post daily <laughs> and things like that. So I feel there is there is switching. Mm-hmm. You know, the the industry Hollywood's gonna be Hollywood and they're gonna do their thing and mm-hmm. they're gonna mass produce and they're gonna do remakes number twenties because <laughs> that's what's 
but give them the money. Mm -hmm. But in the other hand, I do feel that, you know, um, there is a whole world of different filmmakers mm -hmm. in Europe, in Asia, in mm -hmm. South America mm -hmm. that are coming out with a different uh, point of view, a different voice, a different way of telling a story. Mm. And and that's what interests me. Mm. Okay. That's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah, yeah. People are, are quick to say something, such and such is dead. And I feel like nothing ever re really does die. It might just go quiet for a while, but yeah, cyclical. Or evolves. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Yeah, or evolves. Absolutely. Things come mm -hmm. back around. Yeah. 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 Whew. Uh, what was it like growing up in Venezuela? Amazing. Yeah? You know, Venezuela is very similar to Hawaii. Oh. That's probably why I love this land so very much. Mm -hmm. It makes me feel home very away from home. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, we have the same climate. It's tropical all mm. year round. We have beautiful beaches and mm -hmm. great people mm -hmm. and things like that. So growing up in Venezuela was was amazing. I grew up in the city. Okay. And and then things change, mm -hmm. but I'm not going to get into that. You sure. know, we left the country because political and socially and economically um, things were getting down the hill mm -hmm. and that was a motivation to okay, let's explore other horizons and see what's out there. Mm -hmm. And it has been it has been great and mm -hmm. rewarding. Yeah. Uh, do you ever see yourself moving to LA or uh, any other like film centers? I don't know about LA. Mm -hmm. When we landed, we landed in San Francisco. Right. Um, and we did it on purpose. Mm. I think LA, to me, right now, things can change. Yeah. But the um, scale mm. is so massive, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. that. What I hear from close friends is that oftentimes values and and clear perspectives can get blurry. Yeah. Of course, there is a little bit of everything, mm -hmm. but it's too it's too massive, it's too big, and again, it's not the it's not the storytelling that I would like to pursue. Sure. sure. So, I would say California, but mm. not necessarily Los Angeles. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I hear of. A lot of talk of Austin, Austin, Texas. I have been hearing that too. That That's, is getting big and bigger. Jay just bigger. moved there for a teaching position. Yes. But it also is a apparently a wonderful film place. Um, Wolf, Wolf Council. Mm -hmm. It was on a couple weeks ago. He um, he's, he's considered moving there, uh, he and his wife. And something Jenny and I have actually talked about. She wants to go because it's close to Chip and Joanna Gaines from... Uh, what is it, HGTV show? What is it? I forget. Whatever the show is, because it's near Waco. And so she loves their remodeling stuff. And I'm like, but South by Southwest and all that stuff. So, yeah. yeah. I, I know of some, you know, filmmakers here in Ireland that have moved also to mm. Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, right at this second, I don't know if you have seen what's available in Netflix um, mm. from Spain, oh, like the episodes from Spain mm -hmm. and what they're producing and yeah. doing is impeccable. Ah. Um, on on all 
segments of、mm-hmm. the filmmaking impeccable、mm-hmm. the storytelling and the、um, photography and the wardrobe and、mm-hmm. oh my gosh so more than los angeles、mm. i will be more interested in pursuing spain、oh, okay later on yeah have you ever been there yes、mm. i lived growing up i had the opportunity to often spend summers in spain oh and Rent a car. My、mm-hmm. parents will rent a car, and then we will drive all over.、Oh, that's awesome. And I had the opportunity before coming to the states to live there for three months in Barcelona. Wow! And it's just, it's so rich in culture. It's just so amazing. Yeah, yeah. I've never been to Spain. I've been to France and England, and Germany, but I would love to go to Spain. I love the the Spanish Latino. I don't know culture. I don't know. If, I don't feel like I know enough about the culture, but just everything I have experienced, I just absolutely love it. And the accents. Oh my goodness.、Um, when I was in, well, I don't know. I don't remember what my first exposure was to it.、Um, but when I was in Maryland、uh, for A school training, I got to know、uh, these two sisters from Ecuador, and、uh, met them through a church I was going to, and then from there. Expanding, they were also friends with two non-related、um, ladies from Peru, and so I would hang out with them whenever I had free time, and just had that exposure. And then、um, I like the music, also. I really love the Latin beats, and、uh, I sound like such a white guy right now. But、um, yeah, just everything I've seen, everything I have experienced, has just been so. Warm, so rich, so passionate. So passionate. Yeah, you got that right. Okay. Okay.、Um, yeah, and you know, I I didn't want to like attribute it to any stereotypes, but when we were working together, you had the set running with a whip, and it was awesome.、Um, I mean, you weren't mean. I don't. I don't feel like you weren't overbearing or anything, but. And and whenever there was like you know if if a sharp command was needed it would still be couched or or followed up with you're wonderful thank you so much for doing that and that kind of thing and I just I just love、yes. what you bring to it. Thank you so much.、Yeah. I, you know, there are certain myths. Yes. In the film industry, and one of them is、mm. that in order to be a good AD,、mm-hmm. you have to be mean,、mm-hmm. and I disagree, hundred、mm-hmm. percent. You know.、Um, An AD has a lot of weight on their shoulders.、Mm-hmm. However, please and thank you. Yes. <clears throat> open doors、mm-hmm. to heaven. Absolutely. And and yes, you need to be firm because yes, you're in charge of communicating,、mm-hmm. and and people sometimes like to pretend that they're not listening、mm-hmm. what they heard.、Mm-hmm. So you have to come firm. But I don't. I don't feel the necessity of being mean、yeah. at all.、Mm-hmm. Is is not necessary. It doesn't provide any value、yeah. to the production、mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And yes. So I appreciate that because yes, I, of course, I have to be firm and I'm focusing completing the day.、Mm-hmm. But you can always. Do it in a nice and respectful way. Absolutely, there is no need to yell. There is no need to humiliate people. There、yeah. is no need to. It just it just breaks down, you know. Morale. The, yeah,、mm-hmm. the morale. Yeah, yeah,、um, and yeah, that's the key thing. Respect. respect. I feel like everyone wants to feel respected, 
because uh, respect is a foundation of love. And of course, we don't not maybe not necessarily looking for love, but just feeling valued and validated as a human being. And it is easy to take or to feel taken for granted in, in a situation. Like maybe maybe as a person, you're not taking someone for granted, but if you don't just take that extra second to say, please, thank you, thank you so much, um, then they don't, they don't get that necessarily. So, yeah, spot on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, who would you say, do you have any influences by, by directors? Like um, uh, people who have other successful folks in the industry who you are like, wow, I love that. Or I want to, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anyone who's had, like, direct influence on how you tell your stories? Oh. Like, for me, I love Spielberg. I was going to say that. Ah! <laughs> well, and he has a great story, you yeah. know. Spielberg has an amazing story. Mm-hmm. He's super inspiring. Not necessarily... Well, he has done all different kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And uh, lately more into action. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just love his story as, as a human being and mm-hmm. how determined... Mm-hmm. He was and still is. Yeah. So, yes. And mm-hmm. I also liked um, Stanley Kubrick, mm. Luc Besson, mm-hmm. and Kurosawa. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's one thing I need to do is expand my film repertoire. You mentioned Spanish uh, productions on Netflix. Like, I have expanded musically. Are oh, good on time? Okay. Um, I love international music, world music, whether it be like, um, well, whatever. I love all kinds of music. Um, but now I'm trying to expand into film because I have heard of Kurosawa. I have heard of, uh, well, I know Luke Besson from Fifth Element, and that's pretty much it. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but getting those outside of the U.S. perspectives, because it's super easy to get to couched into a box. Um, that's one thing I love about the filmmaking program is taking classes where we have to watch movies from anywhere else that we wouldn't think to watch. Movies I never heard of before. And watching them, most of the time, they were great. A couple of them I just really could not understand. Just couldn't wrap my mind around. But just the experience of exposing myself to something new was challenging and inspiring. And like, I should try that. Absolutely. Um, Since you like Spain culture so much, Mm. uh, Pedro Almodóvar, all his films are amazing. And Mm -hmm. he, what I love about him is that he tells stories that nobody else will tell. Mm, I'm not going to say no more because I don't want to spoil it. But yes, Pedro Almodóvar, um, award-winning he has worked with Penelope Cruz and Antonio Banderas and mm-hmm. a bunch of other amazing people. Um, Did he do Y tu mamá también? Y tu mamá también, okay. yes. Mm. Yes. Okay. So, and he will tell stories, real stories, mm-hmm. that are never told. Mm-hmm. And I, I love that. Yeah. I really love that. Yeah. So. Uh, I don't know if this counts. Uh, Robert Rodriguez? Robert Rodriguez. Yes. Uh, I love his story how he shot El Mariachi with just no crew. Oh my gosh. Just by himself. Yes, he's amazing. Yeah, that's that's super inspiring. And like, mm-hmm. what was it, $7,000 like to shoot all that? And then yeah. he runs his own network now. It's amazing. Yep, <laughs> yeah. So that's, I think that's great to have, mm-hmm. to be open, mm-hmm. to be a little bit outside of 
Hollywood, yeah. you know, and US mm-hmm. because um, nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. And there are certainly the ones who lead the industry at some point. Mm-hmm. However, there is so much richness outside of it as well. Mm-hmm. And so much variety and different flavors and mm-hmm. ways. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I'm glad you are looking forward to it. I feel like everyone should do that. Mm-hmm. Just, just um, I don't know. and uh, I don't know how to promote that. You know, like you don't want to force anyone into anything, but at the same time, if they don't think about it, they're not going to do it. And maybe that's just the way things are. Some people will be willing to open themselves up to experiences. Other people will not. And that's just the way of things. I don't know. Like, hmm. Yeah. (laughs) So let's see. How are we doing on time? You have a 930 class? Yes. Okay. It's not even 9 o'clock yet. Um, oh, what, what are your thoughts on, uh, women in filmmaking? Cause that's, that's kind of a thing, kind of a thing. I feel like condescending when I say that. Um, just in, recently there's been, uh, an upshift, a focus on more representation in film and like with Star Wars, we're seeing a big backlash in some ways, because now the protagonist, now the action is shifting more towards females instead of the Han Solo's, Luke Skywalker's. Yes, you know, yes. it's <laughs> you know, it's more Rey and and Princess Leia and and Holdo and you know the in the last Star Wars film the the boys kind of got a spanking because they weren't behaving correctly and uh, or appropriately. And so, yeah, not I mean that's just with actors, but then also with directors, you know, and an equal pay pay equity. Um, Patty Jenkins doing Wonder Woman, um, and then actors, actresses getting paid the same. That's a lot. Uh, go. I love that you're bringing awareness and want to shine some light on that th- topic. I mean, just as a uh, personal point of reference, most of my production staff are women. Very true. And it's not because I like the ladies. It's because ladies get shit done. It's very true. Um, we are still, you know, yes, we are working towards a shift. Mm-hmm. We are still um, misrepresented mm-hmm. and it has been a male industry mm-hmm. big time mm-hmm. for ages. Mm-hmm. Yes. And not only a male industry, but a Caucasian male industry mm-hmm. for ages. Yeah. and slowly but surely (laughs) it is changing. Mm -hmm. I am a walking example. I can tell you doing some research on it for a previous class, I represent less than 3%. Mm. And not only because I'm a woman, but because I'm Latin, Mm -hmm. so even less representation. On that, and then because I get jobs that are above the line, mm. so even less representation mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was grateful, extremely grateful, that I have been taking a couple of classes about racism mm. and film, mm-hmm. and totally open up my mind. Mm-hmm. And I have found still the general is male oriented. Mm-hmm. I have personally. Mm-hmm 
have the opportunity to stand up for women and for hiring women. I, I share with you a story. I was with an executive producer once and we were in need of an assistant camera, a second assistant camera. Mm-hmm. And there were a few shows happening at the same time on the island. As, as you know, mm. there is so many people working in the industry. Right. So you have two, three shows. Mm-hmm. Everybody's taking, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Well, I was recommending this girl mm. and she was good. And, you know, the, the executive producer who was a Caucasian female asked me, can she lift weight? And I'm like, (laughs) yes, she can. Mm -hmm. I mean, long story short, I just needed to really stand up for her. Yeah. And I've never done that for any male ever in my life. Uh Oh, you can call Cliff Bailey for directing this thing or Mm -hmm. for doing that thing. And, you know, most of the time, okay, that's it. But for herring women, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a whole different experience. So I needed to call myself this second assistant camera and say, hey, I was just really, you know, on my toes talking with this producer about you and getting you hired. Mm -hmm. So you're not allowed to complain. (laughs) You're not allowed to, you better give 110% because it will help shift the paradigm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Recently with another Amazing local producer, she moved to Los Angeles. Most of our crew mm-hmm. was female, mm. and we were super proud of it. Mm-hmm. But it took me a moment, I have to admit, it took me a moment. I didn't know I consciously or unconsciously had a male-oriented filmmaking mind sure. until I, I really saw it mm-hmm. nice and clear. And then it's like, oh, okay, well, I can help shift that. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't I don't hire crew that often, but when I do, I can do 50-50 or I can give opportunities to amazing women that are in the industry mm-hmm. that are rising or not or have a ton of experience. So mm-hmm. still the case, we are big time very little represented. However, it is shifting mm-hmm. slowly but surely, yeah. but it is shifting mm-hmm. and I am a walking example of it. Yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like meaningful change does take time. Mm-hmm. Some people want things to happen instantly, but anything worth anything takes time and hard work, I feel like. And that I don't mean that to say, like, we should delay that kind of shift. I mean, I don't even know what exactly it's going to take. I want to ask you, I want to make movies. I want to write. I want to direct. But also, I do want to promote this because I believe that every person male, female, um, regardless of background, should have a chance <clears throat> to let their voices be heard. And that's the, that's the point of this podcast also, is to, like I told you outside, elevate other people's voices. You as a, 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 a Latin woman, how can I, a Caucasian male, help with this? How can I support it? You are doing it right now. <laughs> okay. So just, just keep doing it. Mm. You know, be open to, well, you are. You are open to create connections with um, any human being, mm-hmm. regardless of color or race or mm-hmm. background. So just just keep doing this, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I was telling you that I think this is 
it's amazing that you are investing your time and energy in creating this series of podcasts mm. for people to elevate their voices because mm. most of the time we are not heard. Yeah. You know, especially if you're working commercially, you you are not heard. Mm -hmm. So it's it's a great space. Mm -hmm. I applaud you for the initiative and for to just making it happen. Mm -hmm. So keep doing it. Mm -hmm. Keep inviting um, your PAs, your yeah. producers from your film. Mm -hmm. You know, keep keep keeping your eyes and ears open to what is out there, what's happening. Mm -hmm. There is an amazing organization on island called uh, Hawaii Women in Filmmaking. Yes. I, I'm sure um, they may be open to come and they have great access to all kinds of female stories mm -hmm. and things like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. I remember not this past year, but the year before, it was the first HFC Film Festival. I was actually a screener for, for films and I got to see a number of what they were responsible for, especially with the young women. Um, the teenagers and such, and fantastic movies. Yes. They were great. They were some of my favorites. Yes. I mean, even from some of the more experienced folks with technically, technically superior store or um, execution, these young ladies were just putting out stuff that was fantastic. Like really, got to you. Yeah, they blow my mind. Mm -hmm. um, I was a mentor once mm -hmm. a few years ago nice. for their program and. They just, they just blow my mind. Mm. They have so much to say. Mm. So opening up your space like you're doing right now for mm. other uh, women to speak up, mm -hmm. that's a great way to support it. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Thanks. Uh, let's see. Where are we at? It's uh, 9 o'clock, and we are coming up on an hour. Shucks. Um, what, what advice would you give to any aspiring filmmakers? I love filmmaking mm. with every cell of my body. Mm -hmm. And yes, it is challenge. It is a glamorous industry, mm -hmm. by all means. <laughs> and on the flip side, it is extremely challenging mm. and you have to work extremely hard mm. and be humble. And one of the best advices that I can give is quoting you. You know, your attitude is the best asset you have because when you're coming out and you're trying or starting to break in the industry, well, you don't have the experience yet. Mm -hmm. You get it. Mm -hmm. You don't have the experience yet and you don't have too many filmmaking skills either because you're starting, but there is one thing that you do have and you are the owner of it and it's your attitude. Mm -hmm. So just being professional and and keeping a great attitude makes a giant difference. Mm. Right on, right on. And I just remembered one thing I haven't asked yet. Um, I like to talk about spirituality and, and faith because that's something that's been a very big part of my life and it's been very interesting the last few years. Uh, so I'm curious, yeah, what do you, what do you, what do you think? What do you, and without, you know, I don't want to get too personal, but it is cutting it close. But you know, as comfortable as you are, um, what? Yeah, what's what's your experience with uh, the supernatural or, or spiritual side of things, or what's your take on it? I will say I'm very spiritual. Mm -hmm. I'm not a religious person. Ah, what would you say is the difference? 
spirituality. I I was raised and I grew up as a Catholic, mm-hmm. but I don't I don't go to church mm-hmm. every Sunday, mm-hmm. and I I wouldn't say I will practice, mm-hmm. but I am I'm very spiritual and I have the ability to sense energy mm-hmm. easily to mm-hmm. be to read people easily mm-hmm. which helps me a lot especially when I'm working with a new director like sure. zzz, I'm able to scan them zzz, zzz, mm-hmm. quick and see how I can connect mm-hmm. on a working basis mm-hmm. um, but I I respect it all mm. I respect it all I just don't have a strong belief in the institution. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's that's my take on it. Was that um, just a natural divergence for you throughout life? Or was there something that kind of turned you off to it? I think I had so much institution <laughs> when I was growing up. Yeah. And then I was able to see the, the good and the horrible mm-hmm. that I don't... You know, I just don't. I just don't connect with that. I love mythology. Mm. One of the things about Hawaii is, it fascinates me how science and mythology still mm-hmm. nowadays connected. And yeah. professors will talk about it. Mm. My professor of geology will teach his class and will bring you know um, how you behave when you go up and visit Pele lands wow, yeah. and things like that. So. Mm-hmm. I am very open mm-hmm. to all that, but no institution. Yeah. I can't. When things get into humans, you know, with humans there is greatness, but there is also so much greed mm-hmm. and so much ego mm-hmm. that sometimes things go the wrong way. Yeah. And that's why I don't support much the institution. But I love... I will say A Sunday Morning is a very spiritual film mm. and it does have spirituality showcased in different ways like father and daughter are doing yoga under a tree and that's a power, powerful symbol because Buddha got mm. enlightened, meditated under a tree mm. and then once the daughter is in herself connected and and following the practice you know magically you see white petals coming down mm-hmm. in slow motion yeah. so i love spirituality mm-hmm. and i and i love symbology yeah mm-hmm. very open to that right on um similar background i grew up um, uh, not fundamental evangelical christian in in the south and so had a, a lot of changes throughout the years always seeking always wanting the truth you know hearing great things but then like is that real though is that true where's the truth and what's blown my mind in the last year or so is and I keep saying the last year or so because that's when everything's happened um, <clears throat> opening myself up to the idea that to be true something doesn't necessarily need to be factual you know because there's there's facts and then there's truth they don't, that's not to say that they contradict each other or that they're necessarily mutually exclusive, but sometimes a myth can tell a truth. Mm-hmm. And uh, specifically with, with the Bible, um, it's, it's kind of a new idea to me that maybe 
just maybe things didn't literally happen the way they're written. And that's through a book that uh, gets into the, the historical context of you know the time periods in which it was written and the various sections of it and, and stuff. So I've, and, and also living here, I've had one or two experiences I just can't explain um, in a, a regular, regular, you know, normal everyday context or especially in a Christian context. I've had, uh, yeah, some very weird things. And like what? Shortly after my wife and I got together, I think it was before we were married, there was one night where she woke up and just like sat up straight in bed and was kind of freaking out. And I was like, whoa, everything's okay. But at the same time, I had this impression, like I could sense it, like someone was kneeling. Oh, well, she, what she explained is like she was dreaming of some woman kneeling on her side of the bed, like a nun praying for her or something. And when she saw it, it spooked her, and she woke up. It was like, oh, what's, going on? what's going on? And when she woke me up by doing that, I had the impression that someone stood up and ran out of the room and down the stairs and out of the house. I'm feeling the whoo, pins and needles right now as I describe it. I don't think I've ever said this publicly, told this story publicly. Um, it was just so bizarre. Like, that was before she told me what woke her up. I just had the sense that someone, some a presence was in the room, stood up and ran out. It's like, oh, what was that? And then she told me what was going on, and I told her what I experienced. We were like, oh, it took us a minute to get back to sleep. Uh, I bet. <clears throat> yeah, but it wasn't like a threatening presence or anything. It was just a weird occurrence. And she has a cousin who is spiritually sensitive and... Um, mm. She asked her to, to come in and just, you know, check out the place. And the and her cousin said, oh, this is this is a happy place. This is a great place. And for the year and a half, well, not quite two years, we were there. It was a great place um, and happy. We never had any experiences like that since. But just that one time, like, really opened my eyes to, like, ooh. I mean, from a, from a Christian context, from what I grew up with, we would attribute that it was, it was a demon a demonic presence so we need to pray that the Lord would send his angels to protect us and I don't want to totally discount that but I don't think that's necessarily the case Mm. Um, because I've experienced just more things to realize that uh, and not necessarily supernatural things but just in world experience that there's more to life than the Christian perspective I agree yeah and then in terms of spirituality, you know, we have great people and we have people that are not so great. And then yeah. I feel you find that um, mm-hmm. rainbow of frequencies mm-hmm. in the living, but mm-hmm. also in other realms that we cannot see. Yeah. But sometimes we can sense, animals can sense, yeah. big time, mm-hmm. there is no doubt to it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I've been meditating recently, and one thing that's that's been coming out of that is that you know everything, everything we experience in our heads, is just a thought, you know, and even even our memories, even though they're recordings of things that have happened, there's there's still just thoughts that are that are passing through, and I don't know where I'm going with that, but yeah, 
or whatever it's worth. I don't know either, <laughs> but what I, but I, what I can add to it is mm-hmm. by choosing our thoughts, mm-hmm. we have the power also to create emotions. Yeah. And, you know, we can support more positive and good feeling emotions mm-hmm. or totally the contrast of yeah. that. We can, by our thoughts, mm-hmm. we can also create uh, very unpleasant emotions mm-hmm. and therefore, you know, the body will feel it mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that does remind me of another story if you'll indulge me. <laughs> um, I, I, I had, have you ever done um, like psychotropic drugs or anything? Mushrooms or? No. Okay. Um, I've not, I'm very curious about it just from the stories I've heard of people who have done mushrooms. Not just to be, you know, get stupid, but because of the the way it opens your mind to. And it could be powerful, I yeah. heard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Um, I think it was my second podcast, Kelsey Green was on and uh, she told me about her experience with uh, either DMT or ayahuasca or something mm. in, in Peru. Mm. And so I've always been curious about those kinds of things. Anyway, back in June, I think it was, I had my first edible um, a, a, a marijuana cookie. And I ate the whole thing. I should have only eaten a quarter or a half at most, but I ate the whole freaking thing. And then when I got home uh, from the event, I started tripping. And just had this really weird, surreal experience. Nothing like straight up hallucinations where I would see with my eyes things happening, but <clears throat> all of a sudden just these, well, you know how you experience voices in your head? Just yes. Just re- random thoughts. Like they started taking on lives of their own and saying, like, you know, saying, you shouldn't have done this or random things like the spaghetti is on fire or all this stuff. And like, I was able to still keep this single like I don't feel like I've ever lost control or at least mental awareness of, of my state in any situation even when I've gotten like stupid drunk um, in this situation I was able to recognize like oh man this is happening like this would be a great time or this would be a most opportune time now for my scary thoughts to come and get me take over <clears throat> right and immediately like the scary images started coming to me but as soon as they, they showed up, I was like, I just thought of that. So I'm not too worried about you right now. And it was like, okay. And it was just kind of hanging out, you know, very, very weird experience. Um, but yeah, being, being aware, even then before I got into the meditation, that it was just a thought. Yeah. That it was a product of, of my brain <clears throat> and being able to resist succumbing to it. I was already freaking out because that was the first time I like felt the tightness in my chest that felt like a, you know, could have been a heart attack or anything. So I was more worried about that or, you know, puking up my guts than I was about some imaginary demon nun. Because that's what it was, the, the, the nun from The Conjuring 2 that has that stuck with me. for that, that was the first horror movie since I was a kid that scared the crap out of me. Mine was Poltergeist. Oh, my gosh. Oh, I've not seen Poltergeist. Oh, my gosh. Poltergeist. The, the first one I saw when I was a kid that scared the crap out of me was Pet Cemetery. Oh, that's a good one. That's a classic. Yeah. But then as an adult, Conjuring 2, oh, 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 oh. I don't even want to see the first Conjuring because I'm afraid of... Um, well, actually, I should do it just to conquer that fear. Right. Or whatever. Because it's just a movie. To face your fear. Exactly. Yeah. Right on. Well, I think... Yeah, oh, quarter after now. So, um... <clears throat> 
Yeah. Um, this has been wonderful. This has been amazing, Cliff Bailey. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Sure, thank you, Faye Bailey. No relation. Yay! <laughs> and um, I'd like to end the podcast just by saying, be true. Be true. Uh-huh.